Welcome to the Teaching Tax Flow Podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Episode 22 already, self-directed IRAs. But before we jump into this week's episode headfirst, let's take a brief moment and thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Legacy Lock. If you are new to estate planning or simply need to review your current plan, Legacy Lock has you covered. Legacy Lock has a unique platform that enables you to easily complete your attorney-drafted documents conveniently from the comfort of your home or office. Your first step to this peace of mind is visiting www.teachingtaxflow.com legacy. I am John Trabalski, one of the hosts here at the podcast. To my right and always on my right, is Chris Pacura. How are you, Chris? I am wonderful, John. How are you? Oh, fantastic as always. So another great topic for us, one that I didn't know we are asked a ton. Really excited for Scott Maurer from Advanta IRA to join us today. Scott, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. John, pleasure to be on. I look forward to chatting with you guys today. Well, I'm really excited. I'm always excited about our podcast, but John knows I get super excited when we can bring someone from our private CPA practice that we trust and we are very comfortable referring clients to into the teaching tax flow, which is a much broader uh, audience um, to lend some knowledge. And that's one of the blessings that I'm able to bring in people that I work with and talk to on a, on a normal and regular basis. So not only is, uh, you know, Scott, someone that we use, but now he's got on the, on the podcast. Absolutely, Chris. And, and Scott, I'm going to put you on a pedestal. So you got, you got big shoes to fill here. So today we're going to talk about self-directed IRAs. So Chris, kind of taking a little nugget from your uh, your description there for Legacy Lock, two things, right? We want to look at ease of enablement. So Scott, walk us through a little bit. What exactly is a self-directed IRA for those that aren't familiar with that? Yeah, John, the self-directed IRA is a retirement account. Um, it's you know, an IRA is an individual retirement account, but it's uh, an account in which you can invest in assets that you know and that perhaps you can control better. Uh, a lot of people associate IRAs, 401ks, and, and retirement accounts with mutual funds and picking stocks and maybe some U.S. treasuries and other publicly traded assets. The IRS will allow you to invest in a lot of different types of assets, not just what's publicly traded. You just have to have a custodian who's willing to hold it. That's what we do as a self-directed custodian. You can use your IRA, uh, your old 401k funds, to buy real estate, you know, say for single family rentals, uh, flips, you can invest in multifamily, uh, you could invest outside of real estate into precious metals, you know, gold and silver, um, you know, private hedge funds, startup companies. There's just so many different things you can do, but a self-directed IRA at its core is just like an account in which you are making the decisions on what investments and what assets to hold. Excellent. And that, that is the perfect description of that, right? Very, very clear what it is. So a question based off that description. So let's let's take somebody who's, we'll just call it a, the W-2 employee, say they're dumping 10, 15, 18, 20% in a 401k. Um, just kind of prime you up for that. Let's definitely talk about a rollover. But question is, say somebody is getting an employer match. For example, they're they're afraid of like, oh wow, if I get off my em employer matched 401k, I don't want to touch it at all because I might lose that match. Is that is that a common question that you guys see or no? Sometimes because we we you know people when they're looking to self direct and they want to take advantage of you know an opportunity that they see, 
Uh, they have the money in the IRA or the 401 could use it. They're looking at, at the different accounts they could they could pull funds from. Um, the only the problem that exists with current 401ks, so we're talking about accounts, yeah, where you're you're putting your money in as an employee, uh, deferring your salary, and then your company is doing a match on top of that, is while you are still employed, that 401k can be restricted from being rolled over and, and rolled out of the plan. Now, if you're over 59 and a half, um, usually that's a threshold at which you can roll money out, even if you are still employed. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind, I mean, a lot of people might fixate on, oh, this is my current 401k, but you know, especially in this day and age when people are changing jobs more frequently than in, than in years past, a lot of people leave employers and they have those old 401ks, you know, former employer plans. They're just sitting there. They got left behind when the you know, they got concentrated on the new job they were starting. They forgot about that old plan. Those monies, once you're no longer working there, can certainly be rolled over. But, um, you know, to your question, I think if you're still contributing to your 401k, you absolutely still should be getting, you know, if your employer is offering you a match, you should be doing what you can to get that. That's free money uh, within the 401k. Absolutely. And, that, and that's uh, exactly what we were going to talk about is the challenge is when you're employed at a company it's very restrictive, like Scott said, in-service distributions and rollovers are typically prohibited. Uh, so, but with job mobility now, you can you can self-direct and you can roll over. So to put money in a self-directed IRA, it could either be a rollover or it could be a contribution. So either way, and there are several other self-directed type of accounts and, and we wanna make sure we have Scott back on the podcast in the future. So we're gonna just focus on the self-directed IRA on this podcast. Um, so obviously you can roll over into this type of account. You can make contributions into this type of account. Can you have a Roth self-directed IRA? Absolutely. And, and a good, going back to almost John's first question, you're defining self-directed IRA. Self-directed is referring really to your ability to invest in, you know, we call alternative assets, but at their core, a self-directed IRA is still either a traditional or rollover IRA. It could be a Roth IRA, uh, it could be a SEP IRA, SEP, if you're self-employed. Uh, it could be a simple IRA uh, if you have a small business. Um, so yeah, at their core, the, the self-directed IRAs are still traditionals and Roths and SEPs following the exact same contribution rules and limits, uh, same distribution rules. Again, the difference with the self-directed IRA is when you have the money in the account, is what is the investment vehicle you're going to use, uh, obviously, to grow that account for your retirement? It's kind of like saying, you know, you're thinking about if you went to Subway, although they're not a sponsor, John, I don't know if I should say, you've got the bread, right? And then you've got the, the bread could be self-directed. The bread could be a third-party fiduciary like a, a Fidelity or one of these other companies. But what's inside the bread is what your investment is. And the nice thing about self-directed is you can have these alternative investments. We've you know, there's, there's so much fluctuation in the stock market and that's kind of what a mainstream and a lot of entrepreneurs, real estate investors, and just people in general are really opening their eyes to all the other options out there. Not only real estate, um, you can invest in notes, you can be lender, you know, a lender. And we're going to talk about rules on that. Precious metals, like we said, a certain business, you could have a variety of alternative assets within that self-directed IRA um, at a very, very reasonable cost and and you do want to work with a reputable company as your fiduciary that is so not only is it a requirement but that's so important you work with a company like advanta ira that's trusted that works with those typical those type of investors uh quite a bit i do have a question is 
um, someone that, let's say you have someone that inherits an IRA, they're a beneficiary IRA, beneficiary IRA. Um, could, could you have a self-directed beneficiary IRA and, and are the required minimum distribution rules the same for self? Some of these questions I know the answer to, but these are questions that we get in the teaching tax flow, private Facebook group, defeating taxes. The, the, we get these questions just in our community. Um, so yeah, so you, you absolutely can self-direct uh, an inherited IRA or, or a beneficiary or IRA and the distribution rules. Uh, again, are the exact same. That is that is one consideration, I think, for people. If you're looking to use an inherited IRA or beneficiary IRA, when you're self-directing is the fact that you know, most of the assets in a self-directed account are not nearly uh, as easily to liquidate as maybe a mutual fund or stock account. So when you do have the RMDs or if you're looking into the future, if you you know, you, you inherited an IRA this year, you have to, you know, if you're, if you're not a spouse, you're inheriting a parent's IRA or a friend's IRA or a brother's sister's IRA, you have to distribute that account fully within 10 years. So that'd be something just to obviously to consider if you're planning on using that money to lock up an investment that's illiquid that you want to hold for a number of years is to have that exit strategy in place of, of being able to get out of that investment and still meet the RMD requirements uh, with the inherited IRA. Because again, they are the exact same. Right. So if you're, if you're near that RMD threshold, required minimum distribution threshold, Buying raw land on speculation is probably not the best option. Uh, but I mean, if you're in your early 40s and you see a piece of land that you might want to develop and continue to contribute to that IRA to develop, then it might make sense because you do have to consider the liquidity of of the assets. So that's some obviously, uh, you know, so, so if someone is, if someone has those type of questions, I know Advanta has a ton of great resources on the website. Uh, videos and that sort of stuff. What's the first step for someone that's kind of just thinking about is it, you know, is it a self-directed IRA? A lot of times they hear about them, but is it, is it something for me? What would the first step be? Yeah. I mean, I think the first step, a couple of different things, you could go to, certainly go to our website at advanceira.com, but we also, we have kind of, we have our own podcast. You could go and listen to and get information there. Uh, if you link to our YouTube page on our website, we we do about one or two webinars a week um, on either self-directed IRA topic specifically or stuff that is, you know, things that are ancillary to that, like, you know, having a, a CPA talk about tax laws and how they affect IRAs or having a real estate investor talk about buying real estate uh, that you could do with your IRA accounts. And certainly our YouTube page is a wealth of knowledge, but honestly, Chris, John, I think the best thing to do is simply call us. Um, and we can, because you can get some great general information. I think we can all agree. You go to the, uh, you go search for whatever you want to learn on, on Google. You're going to find some really good general information, but it's rare if you have a specific question that you're going to find that specific answer and you, and you need to talk to somebody. Um, so that's what we're always available for is to give us your individual fact pattern, what you're looking at doing, what type of accounts you have, um, and let us dissect that and then, and then give you back, you know, the, the feedback that you're looking for. Um, on those specific questions. But if you just, if you're somebody who likes to just kind of do some stuff on their own, our website is a fantastic resource. And then uh, obviously there's phone numbers on there, links to get in touch with us. And we'll link up the YouTube channel and, po and the podcast as well. And I mean, there's a lot of changes coming down with the Secure 2.1, 2.0 Act, uh, sort of change retirement significantly uh, for people, hopefully for the better. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But being aware of those rules are, are is really important. Um, so, yeah. Now, I know you wanted to ask a question about certain assets within the IRA. Yeah. So we, even 
it's specifically, so I mean, and before I get into that, so one other question too, just to kind of reiterate too, it's, you know, Scott, you had mentioned that there's a lot of resources out there for, you know, what they are, options, you know, is it right for everybody? Is it not? Um, I'm sure that's a question that you guys get a lot, right? Is, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? Because anything that's self-blank is sometimes intimidating to people, right? They, they say, wow, I've been comfortable. You know, I may have a more conservative approach where I'm comfortable letting somebody else do it. So do you sometimes, and, and I'm not going to use the term sell or convince anybody to do that because obviously that's up to the individual, but I, am I assuming correct that that's usually a conversation that takes place with a fair amount of individuals? For for some certainly, I mean a lot of a lot of people do come to us with the investment already in mind. Like they've they've already made the decision that I want to invest in this multifamily project, and and you know they found out they could use their IRA to do it. So it's more about finding out what what the process is and how it works. But certainly for a fair number of other people, even for some of those, it is evaluating if using their IRA is the the right way they want to go, um, or do they really rather have their money uh, held somewhere else? Now I think one of the good things to mention to to that point is that self-direction is not an all or nothing strategy. So you can have an IRA with a fidelity and investing in mutual funds and stocks, and you can have an IRA with Advanta that is holding your real estate, is holding your precious metals, et cetera. And you can move money between those accounts. So that's the important thing. I think as somebody who's kind of a little bit on the fence, hedging a little bit, not sure, they can always dip their toes in the water a little bit uh, and see how it works out. Um, but you know, we don't, like you said, good point, John. We don't sell or convince. I lay out the options and tell people how it's going to work and then let them make the decision from there. Excellent. And on that note too, so, you know, talking about self-directed, are there any investments that are prohibited? So kind of the quote unquote, no zone, you know, not, not a possibility. There is. And so the IRS, when IRAs were created in 1974, they laid out rules for what you basically could not invest. In. So they didn't make a list of all the potential investments because back in 1974, they wouldn't have listed crypto, right? As a, Right. Cryptocurrency would have been a permissible investment. They wouldn't even know about it. So they've simply said you cannot invest in life insurance and you cannot invest in collectibles like artwork, antiques, things of that nature. Um, don't get a lot of questions day to day on that. That's, that's pretty cut and dry. The other restricted area, though, especially uh, pertinent to real estate investors, is your IRA cannot, cannot make an investment into an asset in which you're going to personally benefit from it or in which you're personally involved with the transaction. So even a quick example, somebody had a piece of real estate they own personally uh, as a rental property, they can't sell it to their IRA account. That, that would be prohibited. Uh, if your IRA purchased a piece of real estate for rental and it was, the property wasn't being used, um, you're not allowed to stay in it because then you'd be getting a personal benefit. So there are some restrictions when it comes to what we call self-dealing rules, which extends to the IRA owner uh, their spouse and then their parents and grandparents and kids and grandkids. That's who's considered disqualified. So you do have to be careful on that. And that and that is definitely an area in which, again, we we don't quote advise, but we certainly can go over the rules and someone lays out the scenario, what they're looking to do, and we'll make them aware of, of the pitfalls they need to be aware of. Well, that was actually letting let one of my questions. I think you pretty much answered there. So say there was a property that, you know, your extended family owned, we'll call it, we'll call it a grandparent or an uncle, or it was something that you may be buying from her have interest in from an estate that that's mm -hmm. with your family. So those, those are, those are a no go. Correct? Those are no go, except you did mention, you said grandfather. So my, if my grandfather owned a piece of real estate, I, I couldn't buy it from him with my IRA. He's disqualified. If my uncle did, my uncle is not disqualified. So it's only directly up and down your lineal tree. 
Um, people are surprised to learn that they could, you know, have transactions between their IRA and their brother or sister. Like siblings are not not prohibited. So you you could in theory deal with them as long as it's on a on a fair market basis. Well, and I think that uh, you know, kind of wrap just thinking about the real estate and the real estate side of it is that with interest rates fluctuating, going up, uh, with lending, you know, most people that are real estate investors do run into headaches with lending, having the, in a lot of times, I don't want to say that a lot of times people's uh, assets are trapped in a retirement plan because they're not trapped, but being able to utilize those to, to invest in real estate, um, really, I, I've seen people do it very successfully. And they're, they're depending on the situation, it could, it could be very, very fruitful. And uh, even within the Roth, which is, which is great. And you can pair some of our teaching tax flow strategies. Like, you know, if you have a, assets that are devalued, convert it to a Roth and then buy the, buy the real estate in the Roth. So, um, yeah. And Chris, I think you mentioned talking about private lending goes back to something John was kind of hitting on a little bit too. The, the benefit of, you know, people who, if it's self-directed, how involved do I need to be? Well, in the real estate investor perspective, there's, there are people who are out there, you know, managing their tenants and acting as a landlord or managing a rehab project, which is certainly much more involved. And, and, and do I want to get that involved with my IRA account? Or your IRA could act as a private lender where you're simply providing the cash and you get a monthly monthly payment or a quarterly payment back into your IRA. There's multifamily real estate investments set up very similarly. So there are different degrees in which you would need to be involved in some of those investments. But again, still being open to the possibility of you know doing something a little bit different with your IRA account that might be more lucrative or, or you know something you feel more comfortable with than, than where the money is currently parked. Absolutely. And that's where you want to, you're going to want to lean, lean on advanced IRA, all those resources to get a good base level of knowledge or certain rules with, especially when it comes to real estate, how active you could be as far as rentals and, and making sure you, you don't basically treat your IRA like a business. We don't need to get into all of that right now, but that get that good base level of knowledge and then talk to Scott and their, his team about this as an option for use. Uh, Scott, before we get your contact information, which we will put in in the show notes, just with all of the advantages of uh, YouTube channel and and a podcast information, we have something that we call a special guest rapid fire that we're going to ask you some unrelated questions that are oh boy. Fun. All right. <laughs> all right. Good luck, sir. Good Thank luck. Thank you. Thank you. We already discovered in the show prep that you're a, a, a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. So I won't ask about your favorite sports team. Uh, There's not a lot of meat there, anyways, Chris. Being from being from Detroit, we don't we don't have to embarrass him too bad. Hey, we'll see. They won Stanley Cups, that's for sure. And the Red Wings have in a long time. I had a hairdo and we ran one one. Uh, all right, that 2008, 2008, 2009, right? Detroit back to back. Or yeah, quite a while. Uh, all right, here we go. So, what celebrity or person from the past would you like to have dinner with if you could? Oh boy. Um, do you want to stick with the hockey theme? My grandfather has heard a lot of good stories from Phil Esposito, who's the father of the grandfather lightning. He's told a lot of, he told my grandfather a lot of interesting stories about Gordy Howe. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll go with Gordy Howe and learn about how they played hockey back in the old days when he was the scorer and the enforcer. Yeah, that's true. I've actually met him and his son on numerous occasions. So, incredible guy from what I remember. Uh, favorite TV show? Um, I like Succession. 
All right. Favorite uh, stack stabbing. Uh, not bad. <laughs> uh, favorite cereal. Uh, Rice Krispies. Mmm. Oh. I love Rice Krispie treats. Also, I like all these things. Favorite beverage. Um, a good bourbon. All right. Well, you're gonna have to come up to Nashville and, and check them out then. The next time you're here, next time you're in town, let me know. Final question: Ideal weekend. Um. Ideal weekend would probably be a nice little vacation, uh, just a weekend over on the beach, which we have obviously where I'm located, but uh, don't get over there that often, but just, we can go and just disconnect and hear the waves and it can't be too hot a weekend though. We get some blistering weekends here in, in Florida. So mm-hmm. but that's a nice, nice relax by the beach, uh, hotel pool. Perfect. I, exactly. No, I love that. Uh, Tampa, Clearwater, Anna Maria Island, the whole golf sides really, really nice. Scott, the best way to reach you? Uh, best way to reach me, but uh, just by phone. Uh, number is uh, 800-425-0653. And my direct extension when you dial that number is 1123. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes, like I said. Uh, we'd love to, we look forward to seeing everyone in the Teaching Tax Flow community. Definitely jump into our private Facebook group, Defeating Taxes. We have tons of great content in there. And um, we're really excited that I, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned, but Scott is going to be a content creator for Teaching Tax Flow. And we are going to have a mini lesson on self-directed IRAs and roll that out even more. So thank you so much. And you guys just have an awesome rest of the day. Absolutely. Oh. Thank, thank you again, Scott, too. And, and yeah, as, as um, Chris had mentioned, definitely join into that Teaching Tax Flow's uh, private Facebook group. Um, just apply, right? There's about 55 questions. No, I'm kidding. It's basically you just check a box and say you're going to be nice and you're welcome to join that. Anybody can chime in anytime, any question. Easiest way to get get our team involved in some yes. conversation. And rate, review, subscribe to the Teaching Tax Flow podcast. Thank you, Scott, and have an awesome rest of the day. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>